Welcome to another episode of Writing on Caffeine, the podcast where you can come along on a journey with a father and daughter as we attempt to write our first novels. I am Jonathan Franzone, and this is my daughter. I'm Reagan, also Franzone. Tonight we are meeting at my house again. That just seems to be the trend uh, since your schedule is so weird. Yep. And tonight um, we are not drinking caffeine. We are not. What are we drinking? We are drinking margaritas. Margaritaville, that's right. So how's the writing coming, Reagan? Um, I'm trying to think if I've written since the last time we podcasted. I think we did. I think I did. Oh, good. Just a little bit. Not a whole lot. But I did write some. I opened up my writing. I opened up Scrivener a couple times and looked at the outlining uh-huh. and didn't write a single word. Hey, progress. <laughs> but I thought real hard about it. You approached it. And I tried to start getting back into the story. So yeah. that was something. Well, that's better than nothing. Yeah. We're both going to end up doing our consequences by the end of the year. But... Yeah, it looks that way. So we have talked about protagonists, we have talked about antagonists, Mm -hmm. and so tonight we're going to talk about side characters. Yes. So side characters, often referred to as supporting characters, play vital roles in fleshing out a story's world, helping to advance the plot and offering deeper insights into the protagonist and the narrative themes. We came up with 10 attributes and qualities that can make for better side characters. So the first one is distinct personality. So side characters should have their own unique personalities, traits, and quirks that make them memorable. They should not feel like mere props, but like real people with their own characteristics. Right. So they actually have to develop them a little bit in order for them to seem like not like weird. Right. Yeah. You know, in the Jumanji movie, the new one. Oh, the, the new rock one? In it. Yeah. When, like, the NPCs just say the exact same line over yes. and over again, you don't want them to be like that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a side character. <laughs> that's an NPC. <clears throat> right. Second attribute is relevance to the plot. A compelling side character serves a purpose within the story, whether it's providing insight, helping or opposing the protagonist, or revealing some aspect of the main characters or the world. Yeah, you wouldn't want a side character or a supporting character that just is constantly going along for the ride and not doing anything. Right. Or helping in any way. They're just kind of there. That would be very boring. I can actually think of one. In um, the Witcher series, there's, you know, the main character is Geralt of Rivia. He's the Witcher. Mm -hmm. But he's always got this, like, sidekick guy who's a bard. And he just, like, shows up everywhere. His name's Dandelion. And he's just shows up everywhere and just follows Geralt around, but he always just ends up in danger and Geralt <laughs> just has to save him. Or he ends up causing problems by like making people mad with his songs or something, but he's like not relevant to the plot at all. He's just there. Is he more like comic relief? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it does serve some purpose. Some purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a really great character. That reminds me of uh, the bards that follow uh, Brave Sir Robin. Yes. And Monty Python's Holy Grail. Uh, so the third one, third characteristic we have is variety. Yep. A diverse array of side characters can provide contrast and depth to your story. They can represent different backgrounds, ideologies, and personalities, which can enrich the story's universe. Correct. I can think of a really good example of this in Fireblood. So, you know, yeah. you had different characters and they all had really unique um, backgrounds. Mm-hmm. The monk type dude. Oh, uh, the Biku. The Biku. 
uh-huh. um, was really different from uh, the main character. And and then his sister was like a gypsy type right. girl because she was like from a different culture. There was it was it added to the story greatly because you're getting context of like the whole world, not just this one place that the main character came from. Yeah. You're seeing things like he's mentioning an event that happened and they're talking about how it affected their group of people. Right. And yeah. So consistency. Even if the side character's role is minor, they should act consistently with their established personalities and motivations. Inconsistency without reason can break the reader's immersion. I have so many things to say about this. Well, go ahead. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Fear not. I have read a book. It is the unnamed book that I always talk about. Okay, yeah, the unnamed book. The unnamed book. And every single side character is so wildly inconsistent. (laughs) I have absolutely no idea what's happening the entire time. That's awesome. They will just have a specific personality and then something happens and like on the flip of a dime, they're just a completely different character. And it is the most frustrating thing I've ever read in my entire life. So it doesn't read well? No. (laughs) And literally the only way I can tell what character she's talking about the main character what character the main character is describing is by like this one attribute that the author will contribute or attribute to each character and they describe them this specific way every single time so it's never like the character's name they will occasionally mention the character's name but it's always the girl with the fiery red hair the girl with the fiery red hair said the girl with the fiery red hair did this the girl with the I'm like she has a name (laughs) Can we do something else? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, that's a little annoying. Sorry. Tangent over. No, that's fine. Uh, I think that attribute is one that is true of all the character types, really. Yeah. You don't want to write characters that are just insane and just different from scene to scene with no reason. Here's the thing. If you want a specific emotion pulled from a scene, you need to prepare your story beforehand. If there's that specific scene and you want to elicit that specific emotion, but the characters you already have cannot help you reach that emotion, you need to either write a different character or rewrite the before part. Right, yeah. Because randomly switching characters' personalities is terrible. Yeah, agreed. Number five is interactions. So the way side characters interact with the protagonist and other characters adds texture to the story. Whether through friendship, rivalry, mentorship, or another dynamic, these interactions can reveal new facets of the main characters and the story. Side characters will often contrast with or complement the protagonist. Or both. Or both, yeah. That's very common in a romantic side character. Oh, yeah. They will kind of contrast, but also complement. Right. Because, you know, opposites attract or whatever. Opposites attract. (laughs) We come together. (laughs) Attribute number six is distinctiveness. Side characters should stand out from one another. This can be achieved through distinctive dialogue, physical characteristics, or unique personal histories. Yeah, this is kind of a little bit like number three, variety, and a little bit like number one, distinct personality. Mm -hmm. But this is more some side character that just has a really weird quirk. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that just really makes them pop out. Um, Brandon Sanderson does some interesting things with this really it's more about world building with that the the instance i was thinking of is um the safe hand in the way of kings oh yeah 
So it's just this weird thing that kind of draws your attention to the fact that women have to keep one hand closed. It's a limitation covered. in the world. Right. And I don't think it happens in Way of Kings, but in the next book you'll have a character that she wears a glove and not like the full sleeve. No, there is. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a distinctive thing for her because uh-huh. she's like pushing the edge of propriety. Right. All right, seven, limitation. So while it's important to develop side characters, it's also essential not to let them overshadow the protagonist. They should enhance the story, not detract from its primary focus. So if you're writing a side character and they're more interesting than your main character, you're writing the wrong story. That's right. (laughs) That's right. You mean you need to circle back around or... Rewrite something. Rewrite something, yeah. Eight is growth and change. Though not necessary for every side character, showing growth or change in response to events in the story can make a side character more realistic and engaging. That's another one of those that's pretty much true of any character. Mm. It was the same for protagonists and antagonists. Yeah. So you want them to change and grow, um, not be static. Right. Makes them more interesting. And number nine, provide humor or relief. So often side characters provide comic relief or emotional contrast to the main plot. This can be a refreshing break for readers and adds to the emotional richness of the story. But you just, you don't want just a stupid side character right. also. They have to have some depth. Yes. They can't just, see, even even like Sokka from Avatar has depth. Oh, yeah. He's not just the funny guy. Yeah, he makes a great sidekick because mm-hmm. he's so funny and he, he does often provide a lot of comic relief. But, but he can also be very serious. He can be very serious and he's got backstory. He's got a growth arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great character. I like Sokka. Don't we all? All right, final one. Symbolism. Sometimes a side character can symbolize a theme or idea within the story serving as a metaphorical representation of an abstract concept. This can add layers of meaning to the narrative. So as I mentioned before we started recording, I couldn't think of any for symbolism in modern fiction or anything, but I thought of The Pilgrim's Progress, which is a book where every character is basically a symbol. Yeah, everything is symbolic. Right. So you you mentioned you could think of some. Who would you prop up as a side character that symbolizes something? Peta and Gale in The Hunger Games. Okay, what do they symbolize? Are very symbolic. So... Throughout the entire story, Katniss is trying to decide, do I love Gale? Do I love Peeta? And throughout the entire books, it's very obvious, if you're looking, that Gale really symbolizes staying the same. Status quo. Right. Fighting back a little bit, but mostly for personal gain. Hmm. Whereas Peeta is completely self-sacrificial and peaceful and so gale is war and depression and angst and Peta is just joy and like peaceful and so towards the end especially it gets very prominent that Peta is what she's looking for because she was looking for peace not war okay yeah i can see that that's very good yeah and since since you're in hunger games um i actually did come up with a couple and I had Peta and Gale down as side characters. What other things about them make them good side characters or supporting characters? Well, something that's really interesting. There's definitely a contrast there. Yeah, there's a lot of contrast <laughs> because Gale is like this big manly man who 
you know, wants to fight and can hunt and can protect himself. And Pete is kind of like a little rich boy. Hmm. Doesn't really know how to take care of himself. And there's a lot of contrast there. Um, I guess in the movies that kind of set him up as a strong guy too, Pete. He is strong. They do characterize him as strong. Um, but he's also, you know, very emotional and artistic and <laughs> whatever. Because right. he paints cakes in a cake factory. For some reason, that was supposed to make... They're like, he's artistic because he decorates cakes. Yeah. Therefore, he he's can the cake paint. Boss. <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know if that quite quite connects, but okay, I'll accept it. Yeah. Um, and then I thought Effie mm-hmm. and then uh, Haymitch were two interesting supporting characters. Yes. So you have Effie, who is a part of the system. She's mm-hmm. a part of First District, and yeah, she's part of the Capitol or the Capitol rather. <clears throat> And so she's very, she's just within that system Mm -hmm. and she plays by all the rules. But as the story develops, she kind of also wants to do the right thing. Right. And so she's kind of pulled, she's almost like a moderate in today's speak. Mm -hmm. Like she's on the left, but she's kind of more moderate and she wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, And then you have Hamish, who is a member of like the resistance. He was one of the fighters. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the, what do you call them, champions? A victor, yeah. A victor. But he has to, like, kind of work within the, the capital system. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because he is a victor. Both of them have massive character arcs as yeah. well. Like you said, Effie um, starts off excited about the Hunger Games. She's excited about, like, when Katniss and Peeta get on the train, she's telling them, like, aren't you so excited you get to spend, even though you're going to die, you get to spend all this time in the Capitol and you experience all <laughs> these nice things. And then by the second book, when um, Katniss and Peeta get reaped again, she's, like, visibly distressed. Right. Very upset. And she's starting to recognize the, the brutality of the world that she's living in. Yeah. Um, she kind of gets red-pilled. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then at the very end, you know, she actually, so in the movies, she ends up getting like taken back to District 13 and experiencing kind of living in those bunkers and stuff. That doesn't happen in the book. Okay. She kind of doesn't really have a lot of appearance, but her, she has a lot of character growth between the first and the second book for sure. Okay. And then Haymitch, like you said, is a victor of, I think the 50th Hunger Games and which was very exciting because like the 50th Hunger Games, instead of having... 12 tributes or 24 tributes. And so Uh he had to find off extra whatever. Um, But you find out as the story goes on, because in the beginning, he's introduced as a drunk. Right. He's a drunk. He's sloppy. He's always just throwing up on stuff and spilling alcohol everywhere. (laughs) And he's messy, and he doesn't really want to help Katniss and Peeta. Right. He does end up helping them because he realizes that Katniss has a chance of winning. As the story goes on, you realize that he is the way that he is because the capital has taken everyone from him, all of his family, all of his loved ones, and all he does is drink because... He's trying to drink his sorrows away. And he's trying to make himself undesirable to the capital oh, because they don't want yeah. him around because he's so sloppy. So it's kind of tactical as right. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. He's a great character. I love him. Uh, yeah, so since we're talking about symbolism, I'll just mention a couple of the Pilgrim's Progress characters. So one of them is, his name is actually Evangelist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he actually symbolizes um, sort of spiritual guidance, and he points Christian towards the path of salvation. 
just like a modern evangelist would do. And then one a really cool part of the story that I love is um, Christian and his partner at the time. I can't remember which one is with him, but they get stuck in a castle of giant despair. Mm-hmm. And so it's he's the keeper of Doubting Castle. And so it just symbolizes hopelessness and spiritual depression. Mm-hmm. And they get locked in this dungeon and... They're just being abused by this giant yeah. and just beaten down, and they think all hope is lost. Yeah. And it's so this, probably hopeful. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, this, this giant symbolizes, you know, the depression that, you know, often people go through when times are hard, when you don't feel like God's there. Right. That sort of thing. We've got Hopeful, as you mentioned, who represents, you know, hope. Yeah. Um, You've got Faithful, who's just a very faithful companion. Right. Um, so those those are some of the characters from Pilgrim's Progress. They're side characters. Christian is the main character, and as you can imagine, it's the story Symbolic. of Christian faith <laughs> right. that he's walking. So sim- similar to the play on names there, um, I've recently read Out of the Silent Planet. Mm. And so in the very beginning of the book... The main character, his name is Ransom, mm-hmm. but in the very beginning of the book, it refers to him as a pilgrim. Yeah. Like he's just walking along on this journey, and it's not until like the third or fourth chapter that you find out his name is Ransom. And so this main character actually has a lot of symbolism um, built into his character. So in the beginning, he's just traveling along, and then he gets, he actually gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And then as the story progresses, you see that he kind of becomes a Ransom yeah. For other people, for innocent people. C.S. Lewis books are very symbolic as well. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> the Narnia series is yeah. full of symbolism. You know, with Lion Jesus and all. So some other side characters I have are from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So you have Sam. Samwise Gamgee mm. um, has a very distinctive personality, I thought. Yeah. Because he's very innocent and faithful. He's not wise to the ways of the world whereas um, Frodo kind of comes from you know the family of Bagginses who are notorious for being adventurers the Dukes yeah so he's he's that faithful and that makes him distinctive mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of plot relevance yeah um, so he he actually is instrumental in many points of the plot um, like Frodo gets captured by Shelob the huge spider yeah and Sam has to rescue yeah. him. At first he thinks he's dead, so he takes the ring and he's going to take on the, the journey and, and carry the ring to Mount Doom. But then he realizes Frodo's alive, and so he basically assails this guard tower with a bunch of orcs in it and saves Frodo. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Sam's a great character. He is really a He has character. a huge growth arc. Mm-hmm. So he goes from this you know gardener, nobody, hobbit, to... This guy who's traveled the world, and then eventually in the books, they're not. It's not really in the movies, but um, in the books, when they return home, like he's basically a victor. Like he's just this, you know, warrior that's come home to Hobbiton, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And then you've got um, Merry and Pippin, yep, <laughs> who provide a lot of comic relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're always dancing and goofing off. They provide a lot of insight into the life as 
like into their life as hobbits. Like yeah. they give a lot of cultural tidbits. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got Pippin dancing on the tables at the right. the prancing pony mm-hmm. and I think Mary was too actually. And which one was it that was with what's his face? The that sings the song. That's Pippin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with um the steward of Gondor. Yeah. Uh Denethor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While he's eating his tomatoes. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Oh, I was going to bring up the side character of Syl in The Way of Kings. Oh, yeah. She provides a lot, I think, to Kaladin. Yeah. Um, she has a very big arc. Yeah, she has a very big arc. Being a um, windspring and kind of just being annoying at the very beginning and kind of following Kaladin around and bugging him and making yeah. him trip and whatever and eventually their relationship grows and she helps him survive and saves him from committing suicide a couple times. Yeah. So. yeah she goes initially from almost like a bug, some mm-hmm. magical bug or something that just kind of bugs him. Yeah. And then, you no, know, turns out she's a real person and right. she's got a consciousness. And, and she's different because most Spren don't have consciousness. They can't remember things and right. like have conversations with people. You'll find out more about that in the next book. I'm sure I will. <laughs> But I was shocked just by her development in the first book. Yeah. Um, and she does get like a, a humanoid form. Right. Closer to the end. Yeah, that's a great side character. Mm-hmm. So i got to bring up uh, Wayne from Wax and Wayne series. Ms. Oh, Born. yeah. With his hats. Like, he is an amazing side character. He is. He's got comic relief. Mm. Like tons of comic relief. He is just a hilarious. I found myself laughing literally out loud. We talk about him at least once a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe. And distinctive, like the dude is a thief. Yeah. He's constantly wearing hats and making up different personalities and Mm -hmm. accents. And it's really interesting how much Brandon Sanderson does with his character. For side characters, if we're on Sanderson kick, welcome back to the Brandon Sanderson fan club podcast. We can talk about what's his face in Mistborn, the smart guy that turns into God. Oh, <laughs> Sazed or Sazed? Freaking Sazed! In the first book, he's a great side character. Yeah, um, he provides a lot of information and a lot of exposition. Right. Yeah. Um, even uh, Kelsier, would you consider him a side character? Because I feel like Vin is the main I, character. Yeah, I think Vin is in many ways the main character. There's a lot of side characters in Mistborn that are really good, like Breeze. Yeah. Breeze is a great side character. It's almost like in epic fantasy, you have multiple main characters. Mm-hmm. You probably do have one main character, but you can do so much in epic fantasy that... You many... could argue that Kelsier and Vin are both main characters. Right. Breeze is definitely a side character, though. Oh, definitely. And he's a great character. Yeah. He's funny, and he's, you know, all fancy, and always has his <laughs> little walking cane, but he's, he's a ska. Right. Um, what'd you find out later in the book, which is interesting, but he's got a good character development too, because he's kind of like Percy and annoying at the very beginning. He gets better. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of smart sidekicks, Harry Potter. You oh. have Hermione. I thought you were gonna say Ron, and I was like, wrong. <laughs> no. So you know, Harry, as you've pointed out before, is kind of dumb. He is. Oh my goodness. So you have Hermione, who provides the intelligence. Right. And their trio. Um, so she she does a lot. And she's... Her and Ron both, I think, provide a level of comic relief often. Mm-hmm. Together. <laughs> Together. Just because of the way they interact. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so you've got good interactions with Harry and with the main character with the main character Harry. Right. Fred and George. Fred and George are definitely comic relief. They're definitely comic relief, but they they have growth arcs. They provide a lot for the plot. Ginny. Ginny. Ginny in the books. Let me specify, not Ginny in the movies. Not Ginny in the movies. We don't recognize her. <laughs> Ginny in the books. So yeah, she's good. Neville Longbottom has yeah. a good growth arc mm-hmm. as a side character. He was he it could have been him as the the chosen one, but yeah, Luna. Luna is great. Yeah, she's very distinctive. She is. So. Yeah. She is helpful a couple times. Has a lot of quirkiness. I think Ron. It's hard to pinpoint like what his part is in in the trio yeah because harry is the jock right and hermione is the brains so what is ron but i think he's just kind of like what holds them together yeah because he is very loyal except for that one point except for that one except for that one time (laughs) actually no twice right that one time in the fourth book and then that one time when they're walking around with the locket and he gets all weird and runs away but yeah most of the time, he is very loyal to Harry. I'd say he represents a really good friendship. Because mm-hmm. him and Harry, he and Harry are just the best of friends. Yeah. And even when they have fallings out, they come back together. Mm-hmm. And Ron comes from the wizarding world. Like, right. He grew up in it. He's steeped in it. And so, to him, the muggle world is strange mm-hmm. and unique um, versus Harry, who grew up in the, the muggle world. And so... Everything magic to him is amazing and different. And he's got to be a little bit smart because he does end up being a prefect at some point in the books, which a lot of people forget. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. So Sherlock Holmes, you've got uh, Dr. Watson. Yep. Is the main side character mm-hmm. who contrasts with Sherlock. And depending on which Sherlock you're talking about, the books or the, the modern series, um, which I love that modern BBC series, Sherlock. Oh, yeah. What's his face? Cumberbatch? Um, no. I'm talking about the guy who plays Watson. Oh, yeah. I don't he know his name. He does a great job. Oh, yeah. He's really good. So he provides the contrast of more level-headed, <laughs> trying to be safe, Yeah. do things by the book, whereas Sherlock is just this you know, drug-addled, crazy person who is also brilliant. Right. <laughs> what do they call that? A sociopath? Or? A high-functioning sociopath is what he calls himself. <laughs> yeah. I've got one on here, Ron Swanson. <laughs> it's not a book, but in the series, Ron Swanson offers an amazing contrast to Leslie Nope. Right. Because she's all about government, and she loves to be in the government, and Ron's primary goal is to end everything government. He's trying to take down the government from the inside right. through the Parks and Recreation Department. Yeah, he's very conservative. He loves meat and shooting things yeah he's also very funny at times he has a lot of respect for manliness right yeah in the book i'm reading right now there are some very diverse characters i'm reading the city of bones okay um which is part of a series called the shadow hunter series um about halfway through it but there are like three i would say side characters and two of them are from like this magic world that the main character discovers that she's part of they're the shadow hunters which they say they claim are the nephilim which are people oh, who are hunting demons right which is interesting then the other side character is her friend from like the human world Okay. And so she's hanging out with these shadow hunter kids and trying to figure out, you know, 
where her mom was kidnapped to, but then the shadow hunter kids and the real the like the human world kids are always fighting with each other and hmm. but they provide a lot of context for a lot of things. The one human kid is helpful because he knows her past and he kind of has been friends with her for a really long time and so she feels safe, you know, with him, but then the other kids are also trying to protect her from other things that she doesn't know are there. They're kind of more exposition and right. world introducing characters. Okay. So what about in your book that you're writing? Who's your side character? You want to talk about him? Sure. <laughs> I'm not quite sure who he is, but my side character is a boy who my main character runs into in an unfortunate situation that she finds herself in. And he is one of those characters where he's kind of steeped in the world. Right. And she's not. Okay. So he kind of provides some help there. He's kind of a Brutus, so, you know, it kind of helps with the muscles and fighting yeah. things. That's helpful in a YA. There always needs to be a Brutus and a YA, <laughs> you know. He's mildly underdeveloped, but he's <laughs> he's existing. I'm trying to pinpoint his complete personality. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about your side character? Yeah, so I've got a couple side characters. Um, the, my main character is this uh, troll kid. He's about 12. And he wants to be a magic user, but he's not. This young, younger girl, she's maybe 10-ish. She's kind of in his circle of people, so he hangs out with this mage, wizard, older dude. And it's his granddaughter. And she's always bugging the, the fool out of the main character. She mm. talks a lot, nonstop, asks tons of questions. Whereas he likes to be silent and not talk as much. Mm -hmm. So you've got that kind of um, difference. She's also, like, just unnaturally gifted with magic and she doesn't even have to work at it nice. which contrasts with his inability to use magic which kind of frustrates him mm -hmm. and um, aggravates him and then i also have him crossing over into the human world mm -hmm. um, which is all technology and no magic and so he befriends a human kid i can't remember his name right now but so you've got the contrast of a kid his own age they're both about the same kind of kid but this this uh, this human kid is in the world of science and technology versus magic and so you've got the whole exploration of those two different worlds or the clash of those two worlds gosh interesting yeah. i'm excited to hear more about it yeah me too <laughs> it really be like that so i just thought of one while you're talking um this book i read a little while ago called the shadows of what was lost just that thick epic fantasy that i read oh okay yeah um the main character, I could not tell you his name for the life of me, is... Oh, I remember you telling me about this book, yeah. Some special kind of magic that's different from the other kind of magic. Anyway, he's in this magic school where they have to learn how to use it or whatever, and he can't, but his best friend is really good at it. Mm -hmm. And um, he's always kind of encouraging him to keep trying, and um, they end up running away because they're somebody's trying to murder them hmm. and as they go through the story the the main character kind of grows into his forbidden new special magic and you actually find out that the the side character which i cannot remember his name i can't remember either of their names the side character is like the prince of the kingdom who like went there undercover to learn magic or nice. something and so he's a really fun character and he's kind of annoying because he's kind of you know entitled yeah but you know, he's got an interesting personality. I wasn't a huge fan of him, actually, at the very beginning of the book, but I, I grew to appreciate him more towards the end. Yeah. That book is kind of a blur in my head. I'm going to have to go <laughs> back and read it for sure. But That's most books that I can yeah. remember reading, if I can remember reading them. 
When we were talking about side characters, a few episodes ago, I proposed the fact that the Doctor is the side character yeah. in his own TV show. He's really cool because he's got a lot of variety. Right. Because yeah. every few seasons he changes to a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Plus he he picks up the different um, companions and they're all different. Right. Um, so depending on your view of who the main character is. <laughs> right. Maybe the TARDIS is the main character. There you go. <laughs> I think in the old series the Doctor was definitely the main character. Yeah. But I think in the newer ones it really does revolve more around the the companions. The companions, yeah. Because. I would definitely say that K-9 is a side character. <laughs> K-9! I would say that Sarah Jane is a side character. And then Mickey has to sit in the car with the dog. Mickey is a side <laughs> character. Mickey is a side character. Definitely. Mickey is a great side character. Talk about character arc. Yes, he has a huge growth arc. He does great. He, he goes from this whiny, coward. bumbling coward yes. to this... Awesome alien fighting. Yeah, he's running around shooting aliens with Martha Jones. Butt kicking dude. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. a good side character. Yeah, Jackie Tyler side character. Mm, she's good too. Yeah. Oh, what about uh, Craig? Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Two different series. Yeah, Craig. The um, his kid is Storm again. You talking about that? Yeah. One? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a good side character. He's a funny side character. Reoccurring. Yeah. But, for switching series, Bert and Guster <laughs> is a great side character. If we're going to talk about TV shows while we're here. Yeah. Yeah, those two are definitely good at playing off each other. Mm-hmm. So Burton offers a lot of contrast uh, to Sean. So, Reagan, what books are you reading or have you recently finished... I have finished The Way of Kings. Yay! That was great. Five out of five. Yes. Um, Great book. I was listening to it on audiobook in my car, screaming (laughs) at at the climax at the end. I was just freaking out in my car, like screaming at characters and trying to direct them to what they needed to do. And I look over and this guy is in his truck staring at me like I'm crazy. So that was cool. I finished reading The Sword of Destiny, which is one of the Witcher books. Okay. I cannot pronounce the author's last name. It's like Andre Glapowski or the giant. something like that. I started reading Prince Caspian. Okay. I am reading The City of Bones. Right. Um, and then also I am reading... Oh, I'm about to start Elantris. Okay. So. You're juggling a lot. So you're going to Elantris and not the next Stormlight series. Yeah, I need to break it up. Yeah. Um, also, I am reading The Hobbit because I actually read some of that Yay. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not read The Hobbit in a number of months, um, but I'll still keep it on the list. So I am finishing up the Green Ember series. Mm. So it's um, Ember's End is the fourth book, and I'm just about at the climax i think i'm in the middle of the climax i'm listening to the audiobook and the last time i was driving somewhere you could tell like right before this point like the world was ending basically Mm. and now they've got reinforcements and stuff's happening so i can tell it's the climax and there's only an hour and a half left in the book yeah they gotta wrap it up that's right so it's a really really good book really good series 
I think last time I mentioned I finished Out of the Silent Planet and mm-hmm. I've started reading Paralandria, the second of the um, Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. Um, I love that one as well. And actually, I'm meeting with a group of guys to discuss the entire trilogy Sunday. So I'm going to try to power through Paralandria and um, that hideous strength yeah. before now on Sunday. Mm. So that should be fun. Yeah. While we're on the subject of books we're reading and books we're not reading, what was your 2023 reading goal? Uh, 50 books. And how are you doing on that? Um, I think at 25, like exactly halfway. I am 11 books behind currently. <laughs> I think I'm on 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a couple books behind. I mean, I'm halfway and it's August, so obviously I am a little behind, but I think I'll catch up. I mean, I'm about to finish two books and next couple days. Yeah. So I'm just gonna have to power through the Narnia series. <laughs> just <laughs> those are surprisingly short, though. So they are. That's it, why I'm gonna power through. <laughs> yeah, it should be easy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Writing on Caffeine. We hope you'll join us again in two weeks. Please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. If you are so inclined, leave us a review. Five-star reviews are preferable. Be sure to visit the website, Writing on Caffeine, where you can view the show notes and subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So you have Effie, who is kind of a part of the... (laughs) Let the cat out.